Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 48 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SBNation.com. My name is Mark Schofield, happy to be back in the big chair for today, Thursday, December 5th, 2019, and we're going to do some stuff on the Kansas City Chiefs today. In a few minutes, the Athletics' own Seth Kiesor is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Chiefs, what to expect on Sunday, how they've been playing lately, their offense, their defense, all the fun stuff you need to get ready for your NFL weekend. We're also going to talk about Travis Kelsey, why ISO, and you. I've got a piece going up on Pat's Pulpit about this very formation from the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as the dangers that Travis Kelsey brings to the table when you're trying to game plan against him. So you can look for that on the pulpit. We're going to deal with some of the stuff in that piece in this episode today. But first, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks on the Twitter machine at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldeman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and yes, those three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course, at Pat's Pulpit. Let's start with some numbers. I like numbers. They help explain things. And there are many things you can point at when it comes to Travis Kelsey. You can point to the production that he's had this season. You can point to the numbers that he's put up, some of your basic stats. I mean, you could look at his target share. 100 targets right now on this season. That's most on the Kansas City Chiefs. 68 receptions. Most on the Kansas City Chiefs. 923 receiving yards. Most on the Kansas City Chiefs. His receiving yards per reception of 13.6. It's not most on the Chiefs, but it's still pretty impressive for a tight end. We could also talk about what Bill Belichick said about him this week. He basically said... Quote, call Kelsey whatever you want. He's one of the best receivers in the league. He's their leading receiver. You can put him up against any receiver in the league. And statistically, he'll match up against anybody you want to put him up against. I mean, and that's true. If you were to take his numbers and make him a wide receiver, he's 12th in the league in catches, 9th in the league in yards, and 11th in yards per game. Now, as a tight end, of course, he's first, first, and first. But those are pretty good numbers as a receiver. And Belichick went on to say his route tree is probably bigger than anyone in the league. He's got every tight end route, every receiver route. There's not a route he doesn't run. He does everything but run routes out of the backfield. He probably does some of that. Maybe they're saving that. But I want to highlight something for a second here. His deep passing numbers. He is tied with Mark Andrews for the most targets of 20 yards or more at the tight end position. They each have 12. Now, for Mark Andrews, on his 12 targets over 20 yards, he has five receptions for 135 yards and two touchdowns. Kelsey, eight receptions for 274 yards and three touchdowns. Now, if you were to make Kelsey a wide receiver, only f- only a handful of wide receivers, six wide receivers, have more touchdowns on deep throws of 20 yards or more. Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs, Terry McLaurin, Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark, and Amari Cooper. 
If he were a wide receiver, Kelsey would be tied with Devontae Parker, John Brown, DK Metcalf, his teammate Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, Cortland Sutton in terms of touchdowns on deep passes this year. Again, he's a wide receiver. And Andy Reid's no fool. Why do I say that? Because Andy Reid will use Kelsey on Y-ISO formations early and often. Y-ISO, for those of you that have no idea who I am, because I talk about this a lot, it's a tight end aligned by himself to one side of the formation. You can have a running back in the backfield, but in terms of your receivers, he's the only one to one side of the formation. Why does Andy Reid do this? Because it forces the defense to make some difficult decisions before the play. You know, if he's a receiver in a two-by-two, you don't really have to declare too much. But if he's out there by himself, what do you do? If you're playing man coverage, do you have a safety over there? Do you put a corner on him? Do you play some kind of zone? Either way, you've got to make some difficult decisions. You might think, he's that good, we're going to put a corner on him. Well then, do you put a safety on a wide receiver? Do you take Patrick Chun and now put him on McCall Hardman or Tyree Kill? Or do you have extra corners on the field? In which case, you're exposing yourself potentially to the run game. So it forces the defense to make some difficult choices. Now you might be wondering... How did the Patriots defend him last year? Well, they did a pretty good job in limiting what Travis Kelsey did against them a year ago. If you think back to their regular season game from last season, you know, that week six fantastic game, Patriots won it on a field goal. They had 61 yards receiving on five catches for nine targets. He got kept out of the end zone. And if you look at the AFC Championship game, he did get a touchdown, but he only had 23 yards receiving, five targets, three receptions. Now, part of that was the fact that Bill Belichick knows the dangers of a tight end. You can see it in his comments. He's talked about it before. He considers a versatile-type tight end, such as a Travis Kelsey, one of the hardest things to defend for because it does the things we were just talking about. It makes you make some difficult decisions as a defense. And their success in slowing down Kelsey, take the regular season game, for example, comes at a cost. You know, Patrick Mahomes threw two interceptions in that game, both of which came on throws intended for Travis Kelsey. One of which, the one near the end of the first half, you will see, if you look that up or you read the article that I put on Pat's pulpit, they basically double him and use Dante Hightower aligned almost in the slot to chip him off the line of scrimmage. Kelsey's aligned, detached from the left tackle. Hightower goes out there, chips him. Then they inside-outside bracket him with Deron Harmon on the inside, Patrick Chun on the outside. So he gets three defenders his way on on one single play. Mahomes gets flushed to his right, in part by Hightower, who then attacks the pocket after chipping Kelsey. He still forces a throw in Kelsey's direction, and it's intercepted. But again, paying a a player that much attention comes at a cost. If you think back to late in that game, with three minutes and 15 seconds left, the Patriots have just taken a lead. What happens? Tyreek Hill gets a 75-yarder. Just a stunning play. 
on their ensuing possession. And again, that game was ridiculous. That game was just ridiculous, right? What happens on that touchdown to Tyree Kill, the 75-yarder, is Kelsey's aligned to the left. It's not a Y-ISO, but he sees a bracket coverage from the McCourty twins with Jason on the outside and Devin McCourty on the inside. Hightower's lurking in that area as well. Once more, you've got three guys kind of paying Travis Kelsey some attention. Tyree Kill runs a deep over route, and he's left one-on-one with Harmon in the middle of the field. Forces you to make some tough decisions when you're playing a guy like Travis Kelsey. And Reed's been using the Y-ISO stuff this year. And what's been interesting about it is, I've got some examples in the article, they will run some basic routes, some out routes, some corner routes, things like that with Kelsey to the Y-ISO look, and then a nice route concept. One example was where they run levels. We've got three receivers breaking across the middle of the field at different depths, different levels, hence the name. Mahomes throws to Kelsey on an out route, but he's got Watkins coming over on a dig. He's got that in the middle of the field. There was another play where Kelsey runs a vertical route against the Raiders. They run a peel concept to the trips backside on the right. The post and the wheel, those are both covered. Kelsey's covered. He's bracketed by a safety in a corner. But that leaves Tyreek Hill running a crossing route underneath against a pair of linebackers. And it just goes for a six-yard gain. But Andy Reid will take that every time. If Andy Reid has a chance to get Tyree Kill the ball in space against a linebacker on just a six-yard throw, he'll take that every time because Reid just needs to make one guy miss and he can take that the distance. And so Travis Kelsey, Y-ISO, Andy Reid, these are going to be problems that the Patriots need to deal with on Sunday. And how the Patriots decide to answer the questions that that formation and these route concepts put in front of them and then how they execute those answers, that's going to tell the story, I think, in in relatively large part, of who wins this game on Sunday afternoon. And so that's enough super nerdy football stuff for me. Up next, my boy Seth will join us for some quality time. We're going to break down this game from every angle we can think of. That is ahead on this episode 48 installment of The Sco Show. And welcome back to the Sco Show, the episode 48 edition of one of your favorite Patriots podcasts. Always glad to let you guys, have you guys let me into your homes, your commutes, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. It's time for quality time, and I'm ecstatic to have our our next guest on. He is, like me, a lawyer, but he actually still practices because he's actually good at being a lawyer instead of me, who's just a failed attorney. He covers the, the Chiefs for the Athletic Kansas City and does a great job over there. You can find him on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. He is Seth Kaiser. Seth, my friend, it's been too long, buddy. We almost re- pre-recorded the show because we were talking so much and catching up, but how you doing, man? I'm doing really well, man. It's, it has been too long. It's good talking to you again. I, uh, I I realize that my knowledge of quarterbacks has gotten lower and lower, and I realize it's been too long since I talked to you, and that was the problem. Oh, come on, man. You you do such great work covering Mahomes over there for the Athletic KC there. They're so lucky to have you, and we got a good one to look forward to, man, so let's just dive yes. right in. The overall state of the Chiefs entering week 14. Give your sort of state of the Chiefs speech for us. They're in kind of a weird spot right now. Um, they're in a much better spot than they were four or five weeks ago. But things are a little weird. They've got, they're have got they coming on the back of two games where their defense was the better 
of the two groups. And a lot of Chiefs fans don't know what to do with their hands when that happens because it's been so long. Um, You know, they're coming off a couple, you know, they blew out the Raiders in what was a laugher and kind of a weird game, too. Um, they, they, they beat the chargers. Yeah, you know, you know, Phil rivers, of course, had his chance at a two minute comeback. Cause that's Phil rivers, you know, life, but they, they're coming off a couple wins, but Mahomes has actually been for him, not great the last few weeks. And so the defense has been excellent though, the last couple weeks. So the state of the chiefs right now, they're finally getting healthy. Um, they still have some issues in the running back room in terms of health, but the offensive line has finally now going to be together for a couple of weeks with finally everyone healthy. Tyree kills finally healthy. Mahomes looks better than he's looked in a while in terms of health. And so they're kind of finally coming around. It's almost like the chiefs second season started the last couple weeks with them finally getting healthy. Let me ask you this, because you, you bring up the interesting dichotomy, like you said. The Chiefs fans don't know what to do with their hands because the defense has looked good. It does seem to me, though, like Patrick Mahomes is starting to get back to where he was before the injury. He had some scrambles, some good runs. Is he back in your mind? Uh, in terms of health, I think he is. Um, he seems to be running around perfectly comfortably. Um, he had some really good scrambles against the Raiders and maybe just as importantly, the chiefs incorporated some read, some read option into their offense, into their run game, which they've always had. They do plenty of RPOs. Um, but the actual read option to where Mahomes might keep it and run it himself. That has not been part of the offense since like last year, basically because Mahomes hobbled his ankle in week one. Right. And that was still bad when he hurt his knee against Denver, he still wasn't, he was like maybe 70% on that ankle. And so they didn't have anything like that since last year. And they started incorporating that again last week against the the Raiders, which tells me that the coaching staff and Mahomes feel good about where he's at health wise as well. So he looks comfortable physically. He's running comfortable physically, and it's allowing them to incorporate some things back into their offense. I will say though, I do think mentally it's still in the back of his mind because you can see that there's still trust issues there with the offensive line. You know, Seth, there's also some injury concerns with Kansas City, the running back room, the defensive backs. How does how do those units look for Sunday? Sure. The defensive back group I'm pretty comfortable with. Um, you know, Claiborne and Fenton have both seen some playing time this year, but they're not the most important guys on the roster. If just one of them can go, I think they should do pretty well. The the main guys that they've they've had going this season when healthy are Charvarius Ward, Bashad Breeland, and Kendall Fuller. And they all look like they're going to be healthy going into the game. Um, as long as either Claiborne or Fenton can go, it should be fine. It's kind of a group that's played above their heads this year. They've been better than people expected. Um, and in terms of the running back room, Damian Williams didn't practice uh, Wednesday. And I'm not sure he's going to be practicing today as we record on Thursday. Uh, he, he just things linger with him a little bit. And so they brought back Spencer Ware, who was with the team the previous three years. Uh, LaShawn McCoy seems to be healthy. And it looks like rookie Darwin Thompson might get a little run after a pretty strong finish to the Raiders game. You know, Seth, obviously Mahomes is such a focal part of what this team does offensively. Right. He's the face of the franchise. What have you seen from him this year in terms of growth and development? Because I know you cover him in depth, depth for the athletic. Sure. So a couple areas that he's grown this year, and this has been tough to gauge because, again, you know, in the second quarter of week one, he got a sprained ankle. 
and that affected him a lot. It affected his accuracy because he couldn't plant. It affected his pocket movement because he couldn't quite move around the way he wanted. And it it lingered for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like if you go back and watch the Chiefs against, say, the Texans or the the Colts and some of these games where he played, you can see like pre getting the ankle tweaked and post getting the ankle tweaked. He'd start off all right, then the ankle would get tweaked and his accuracy would plummet. Um, so it's been tough to kind of gauge certain things because of that. He one thing he's doing better this year. Um, he's he's not throwing as many potential picks or picks. Um, he's been a little more careful about taking kind of what's available to him rather than going for home run plays. Those are kind of the things you expected naturally. Um, he also seems to be going through reads even faster than he did last year, which is something that I was kind of hopeful. He looks to be making predetermined reads a little more often, kind of, you know, the Alex Smith style of play where he, he bases his throw on the defense pre-snap and gets it right. So it goes to the first read and everyone says, Oh, that was easy, but the first read was open. It's like, no, that was based on the work. The quarterback did pre-snap like this isn't easy people. And so you see that a little more than him just running around making plays. I can say, though, as of recently, there's been a regression in his pocket presence. I don't know if it's the knee um, and it's just on the back of his mind or if it's because the Chiefs interior has been pretty poor. But his pocket presence has has definitely dropped off over the last few weeks. You see him backpedaling too far, um, getting out of his drop, messing with things for his tackles and bailing out of clean pockets every now and then, which is something that he very rarely did until the last few weeks. You know, in the difference between this team last year and this team this season, it seems like it was the defense that was in Achilles' heel last year, but that unit seems to be getting better. Is that truly the case? How has that unit been performing? Um, You know, it's kind of been a well-kept secret outside of Kansas City that the Chiefs' defense has been pretty good this year. Now, with the caveat, their run defense still stinks. I mean, that's, you know, if I use DVOA, I know you do too, football outsider stuff to kind of get a whole look at how teams are doing. I don't know a better stat than DVOA. And the Chiefs run defense was 32nd last year. It's 30th this year. And I got to tell you, that's fairly accurate. They're not good against the run. They're just good enough, though, with enough volume. And this is just natural with the running game to where they can get enough stuffs to force teams to throw occasionally. And that's where the major difference has been this year. Last year, they had a great pass rush, but their coverage was horrendous, just absolutely awful. This year, their pass rush isn't quite as good, um, but it's still pretty good. And their coverage has been much better. So their pass defense is actually sixth in the NFL in DVOA. And that's after playing, you got to remember, you know, they've played Watson. They've played Rodgers. They played Minshew before everyone knew Minshew was good. They've played, if you look back through their schedule, they played Lamar Jackson. They've played plenty of really good quarterbacks and they've performed well against virtually all of them. Um, Aaron Rodgers had to make crazy plays to succeed against them. They, they made Deshaun Watson work for it. They made, they, they did, they did a good job overall against a really tough schedule. And so that's been kind of an unexpected surprise to where they've taken that jump from just god-awful last year to where this year they've been surprisingly competent. They're not – I wouldn't even call them a good defense yet, but they're at least average at this point and pretty solid against the pass. As always, we have some questions from the listeners via the SCO Show Slack channel. First up, Matt St. John, and he wants to know, how are the Chiefs' offensive and defensive lines performing this year? 
Um, the defensive line, there's been some injuries. That's been tough. Chris Jones is finally back. Um, I know you know his stuff. I mean, he's he's excellent. Um, so they've been performing pretty well. Frank Clark has been solid, but not what fans were hoping for. But he's been struggling with injuries throughout the year. He had a, a pinched nerve in his neck, and now he's dealing with a shoulder thing. Overall, though, the defensive line has played pretty well. Um, they, they, they've gotten some good contributions from guys, guys like that. They kind of given up on like to know pass and, you know, have been pretty good. So the defensive line has been solid. The offensive line, um, Mitch Schwartz is a stud. Uh, he, he's been excellent as always the rest of the line. You know, Eric Fisher is finally back from injury. He's a decent left tackle, but he's still working his way into shape and he's still working his way into being hundred percent. And the interior of the line over the course of the last few weeks, at least, has been a mess. They've been allowing quite a bit of pressure. They've been allowing uh, pockets to be moved towards Mahomes constantly, and that's why I think you're seeing Mahomes have kind of some jittery, happy feet in the pocket. Other question from John Limarakis, also via the Scotia Slack channel. How difficult is the matchup for, for against Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and that defensive line, and how do you think this defense attacks Tom Brady? Um. I'm guessing, you know, with Clark, it's going to depend on how healthy he is. Even when he's not healthy, he's still competent, and he still gives individual blockers some problems, depending on the skill level of the blocker. Chris Jones, if it goes like every other game this year, there's not a whole lot the Patriots are going to be able to do to stop him from making some plays. He is uh, – he's hes a force. Um He's an exceptional, exceptional pass rusher. Usually makes a few good plays against the run as well. I would expect them, based on what I'm looking at on film, in terms of how they attack Brady, I think they're going to be pretty aggressive. Spagnolo has been more aggressive than Bob Sutton, but he still kind of picked his spots. He likes to run more stunts and twists and movement up front. Sutton hardly ever did that, right? It was just line up and beat your guy. And they got away with it because they had Houston and Ford and Jones. Now they run a lot more movement, kind of similar to what the Patriots do, just snap after snap after snap. And they've also been pretty aggressive in blitzing safeties, corners, that kind of thing. I'm guessing how they're going to attack Brady, and I'm actually in the middle of writing an article about this. I think if they're smart, they're probably going to imitate a lot of what Houston did in terms of you bracket Edelman, and they've got the safeties to do it. Tyron Matthews been great. Juan Thornhill has been awesome as a rookie. I think you bracket Edelman. I think you trust your guys to perform one-on-one in physical coverage against the rest of the guys the Patriots got. You put either a safety or a cornerback on, on white, and then you just blitz the crap out of Brady and hope that you get there first. I'm guessing that's what they'll do because it kind of takes advantage of the thing Maybe the Patriots don't do quite as well as they've done in years past. But, you know, you never know. Occasionally, Spagnola will come up with a game plan that I'm like, that is not at all what I would have done. And sometimes it's great. Right. And occasionally, like against Tennessee, where they basically played as though they were pay- played a pass-first team, it makes me scratch my head. <laughs> Yeah. Seth, we're going to try something new with you. You get to be the first guest to experience this little segment here, which I'm calling Thoughts on the Timeline, something new where I'm going to ask either a football (laughs) or non-football related question that has been sort of dominated in Twitter over the past week or so. And of course, I have to ask you, Seth, (laughs) what are your thoughts on Baby Yoda? You know, I I am usually not in favor of inserting cutesy things into shows. I've I'm only through two episodes of The Mandalorian, and so I've enjoyed, or maybe I'm through three episodes now that I think about it. Anyway, yeah, three. And so I I'm in favor of it. That baby's oddly cute. Like yep. they 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 crushed it, and they've done a good job with the humor. I actually saw someone tweet out something that I thought was a really good thought. That I'm glad that it's a Disney thing. 
because you know the baby's going to be okay. Oh, if this yeah, was, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, because if this were HBO, like, that baby would end up in a wood chipper right. or something. And yeah, so I'm I mean, like, okay, that makes me happy because otherwise it would be stressful, man. I know. I mean, could you imagine that baby on Game of Thrones? Oh, no, I mean, people I, would be freaking out the whole time. When they did have a baby for a while with the, with the one gal that, that uh, Jon Snow's friend was with, as you oh, can tell Oh, Gilly, him. yeah, Gilly's yeah, baby. Gilly, thank you, Gilly's kid. That made me nervous the whole time. It's like, oh, man, what are they going to do to this kid? Yeah. What is going to happen? So that, I, I like it. Normally I'm not a cutesy guy, but I like Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody likes Baby Yoda. Seth, this has been fantastic. Let me get you out of here on this one. Not asking for a prediction or anything, but just your expectations for Sunday in this game. I expect the Patriots to probably look fairly different defensively than they did against Houston in terms of what they do. The reason being is Bill Belichick's too smart to do the same thing two weeks in a row when he's facing Andy Reid. Um, And so I I think they'll give Mahomes trouble. They always do. And I do think, though, that Mahomes will probably play at a fairly high level. I've never seen him. He's had two games in a row that for him are, are below par. I, I would be stunned. I've never seen him have three quote-unquote bad games in a row. So I expect Mahomes to play well. I think the Patriots defense is going to play well. I think what it's going to come down to this season is that I don't think the Patriots offense – I think it's regressed significantly. I think the Chiefs defense has gotten better enough that if it does come down to some kind of shootout type thing, I just don't think the Patriots can hang with that at least at this point in the season. Playoffs are a different story, but I think the Chiefs have the edge. Well, there you go. You heard it there. You can hear Seth. He does such great work covering the Chiefs over at the Athletic KC. You can follow him on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. Please do that. He does such fantastic work. Friends, that will do it for this episode. I will be back on Saturday with another installment of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Until then, friends, please do keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.